Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish. And we're here with big old Ben, Belly Smokes, Hunter. Belly and the boys are at it again. Let's get this show on the road. And John is back as well. And the Zoom meeting, I just saw his dog's asshole in the camera. That is not a joke. It's clean. He likes it a lot. Don't worry. (laughs) Nice, man. His ass is clean, but his breath smells like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're happy to have the old boy on with us. It's going to be fitting for our draft today. And we got a lot to talk about this week. So let's hop into it. We're going to be doing our general Lions talk. Obviously, free agency frenzy is going to take up the majority of the show today. We got Benton with the belly back. Ben will have a bowels of the belly for us, and we are going to have some bark madness going on in in honor of March Madness. So stick around for that at the end. As a pitiful bark, Jesus. That's Corbin after after he picks the uh, Chihuahua for his point guard. (laughs) That's just a little bit of a tease for you there, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's kick it off with the Lions. Free agency really took up the majority of the news this week. Before we get into it, I wanted to talk about a former Lion, Darius Slay. It was kind of a weird little saga with him in Philadelphia, but uh, as soon as free agency began, I think it was maybe on Monday, uh, the Eagles came out and said that they were giving him permission to seek a trade because they could not come to terms on a restructure for his deal. Um, and then later they announced he was going to be released. And then a couple days after that, his wife tweeted out and said that he was staying in Philly and they later did agree to a deal. So I was kind of pulling for Darius Slay to come back with Matt Patricia out of town. I thought it would have been a good fit. And I think that he was teasing it a little bit with some of the players there too. I think Tracy Walker tweeted at him, Quandre Diggs and Darius Slay are always boys on Twitter, just kind of mulling it over. That would have been sick to have him back. Still got that Jersey on deck. He's one of my all time favorite lions. Yeah, he's good. Um, but I mean, all things considered, the the signings that we're gonna get into, I'm happy with the way it turned out. Um, not not a huge deal for me. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was very likely that he would actually be back. Just more one of those Twitter wishful thinking things. I know. There was a lot of dreaming going on Monday through Wednesday during the legal tampering period, but let's move on to some more realistic things. But first let's talk about some of the pay cuts and restructures that the Lions had. So starting off with the pay cuts, we had Charles Harris, who took a $3 million pay cut just to stay with Detroit. So he was at $8 million cap hit, but now he's looking at like a $5 million hit. Romeo Quora also took a pay cut. Uh, The cat that just came out today. He was going to be a $14.5 million cap hit. And so a lot of people thought that he was going to be cut just as a cap casualty, but his salary is reduced to $5.65 million. So that's an $8.85 million pay cut. So that's some serious savings right there. That'll open up almost $14 million that we get to play with. And that definitely is going to be coming in handy after some of the, the big name signings that we've made this week. Going into free agency, I thought we would be lucky to just keep one of those guys. And Charles Harris seemed like he was going to be the guy to stick around with Romeo Aquara getting cut. But, you know, thankfully, we were able to come to terms with both of them and they never even hit the market. We just got them on a reduced salary. So getting them for like five to six mil a piece is a big bargain for us. And that really helps us round out that edge position group. Not that we really needed it. That was one of our more... One it's one of the units that we had the most depth on, I guess. So, Wait, can you imagine making enough money to take a nine million dollar pay cut? 
Yeah, it, like, just, oh, no it, just, big deal. it just goes to show that these guys want to stay in Detroit, man. They believe in the system. Yeah. People like Micah Parsons was saying, who would want to go to Detroit or who would want to stay in Detroit? Well, guess you what, Micah Parsons? Fuck you. There's plenty of people who want to come to Detroit. <laughs> and we'll get into it in a little bit. But we got some big ticket free agents that have come in on good deals that you would never see under the Patricia era. So we'll talk some restructures here. Tracy Walker and Jack Fox both redid their deals. So this isn't quite a cap savings like how we had with Charles Harris and Romeo Aquara, but we're basically kicking the can down the road, pushing off their cap hit this year into the future years of their deal, which kind of indicates which players are more part of your long-term plans. Now, notice we haven't done anything with Jared Goff's contract yet, even though he just has one year remaining after 2023. So Tracy Walker, we saved $3.9 million with him. It was an $11.4 million cap hit. It's now down to seven point five. And Jack Fox, we saved $1.6 million from him, reducing his cap hit from $3.56 million to $1.96 million. So in total, we saved $5.5 million for this year, and that's probably going to be spread out across the length of their contracts. So good now, but might be a little bit of a, a strain on us in the future here, but the way that the cap gymnastics have gone with other teams, I'm not too concerned about it. It seems like we have some good guys in place who really know how to work it and squeeze out the value that we need to year to year. I like that cap gymnastics. Yeah. You got to overcome some of the hurdles, do a little bit of limbo, get around the the rules that good old Roger has put in place for us. <laughs> the limbo soon to be a gymnastic event at the next Olympics. Yeah. Like I said, not a whole lot to talk about outside of our new signings and our recent departures from the line. So let's get into the free agency frenzy, what you've all been waiting for. So just to review some of the franchise tags this year, looks like we had six guys who were slapped with a franchise tag. Saquon was one, Tony Pollard, another Josh Jacobs and Evan Ingram. We had Duran Payne for the commanders get franchise tag, but he just signed a four year deal worth 90 million. So he got paid. He was a guy that a lot of Lions fans wanted to come to Detroit, fill that D tackle role for us. And then of course, who can forget Lamar Jackson? He was given a non-exclusive franchise tag, which means that the Ravens can match any deal. And if they decide not to, the team that signs Lamar Jackson would have to trade them two first round picks just for the rights to sign Lamar. So it's basically a way for Lamar to test the, the market and see what other teams would be willing to pay. And the Ravens would have a, a chance to sign whatever offer sheet he agrees to or be compensated with the two first round picks. So he hasn't gotten a lot of interest. A lot of teams that you would think would be a good fit pretty much immediately came out and said that they were not going to pursue Lamar Jackson, which is a little strange to me. And it kind of seems just in my opinion that these owners are kind of sticking together because they don't want quarterbacks commanding a fully guaranteed contract. I mean, the way I saw it was, wouldn't it be more beneficial for some of these contending teams, like say the Buccaneers or the commanders or the jets maybe who have some first round capital, they can go up if they're just a quarterback away and be like, okay, well, I have a, a late first this year. I will give you this in my 2024 for Lamar. I thought the Bucks would be a perfect fit for that. I know they have some cap issues, but Falcons as well. That was another team that I saw. So there just doesn't seem to be a lot of interest. And it looks like Lamar's probably going to play it out on the franchise tag. John and I have gone back and forth on Lamar for a long time. And it just seems like I don't, I'm just worried about his fragility. Um, 
past two fantasy football playoff seasons, he's been nowhere to be found down the stretch. So I think the injuries might be a concern and he does want a lot of money. That's for sure. I, I think this has absolutely nothing to do with Lamar or the injuries. I think it is 1 million percent about the next bargaining period. And if they have a single player with a fully guaranteed contract, then that opens the door for the NFLPA to say, we need all our contracts to be fully guaranteed. And the owners are never going to want to do that because then they actually have to pay their players. Right. So I think really they're just using the, the, this is like their line in the sand is like, you are a former MVP. You're only 26 years old. You should be getting, I mean, fucking Derek Carr and all these idiots are getting these amazing deals. Well, a former MVP isn't commanding a market and it's, it's let's just look at the bigger picture here i mean they don't want to give guaranteed contracts and if they give one to an mvp quarterback that opens the door for them to start talking about it for everybody yeah and i see lamar side too because as a a dual threat quarterback i'll say primarily a rushing quarterback he has a big injury risk and he already has missed some time with injuries so i can see why he would want a fully guaranteed contract but if it was like a Patrick Mahomes and you, he has never, you know, really missed any significant time. I could see why a team would be more inclined to guarantee him more money, but for the style that Lamar plays, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that he would command 45 to 50 million a year for four or five years, but the fully guaranteed part, that's just a precedent that the owners don't want to set. So I could see them holding out, even if, you know, you are a QB needy team, going out to go and get Lamar Jackson. I think that you got to pump the brakes because in the future, it's going to be screwing over a lot of other teams other than just your own. So eventually he'll get the long-term deal that he's looking for, but it looks like he's probably going to be playing on that franchise tag this year. And the other thing is too, I think they saved like five or 6 million under the non-exclusive franchise tag. The Ravens get a little bit of bargain now that, you know, no one's going to play ball and make a move for Lamar. It makes sense that he should be going, but for whatever reason, nobody wants him at all. So it makes me think that the ownership group is kind of colluding together to make sure that they don't set this bad precedent of fully guaranteed contracts. So I wouldn't call it a bad precedent. I would call it a precedent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could look at it either way. I mean, I mean you got to think on both look sides. at the MLB. You know, I know they have bigger uh, rosters in the NFL, but like to have to have the sport with the biggest injury risk. And also the pretty much the only major sport that doesn't have guaranteed contracts. It's doesn't seem sustainable to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm like, all for the players, you know, I just, I'm just saying like, if you look at both sides of the coin, like if you're an owner, you would understand why if somebody tears their Achilles and never plays again in year one of a $250 million contract, you're flushing that money yeah, down the drain. Look at Greg Oden. Look at, uh, I mean, how many NBA players have, has that happened to? And that's just part of the business. Wasn't it yeah. Prince Fielder in baseball who signed like a $275 million oh, contract, man. got hurt, and then he was done, but he still got the money? <laughs> hey, get your get your money, Prince. He was what a big you, boy. You're taking, you're taking money from billionaires. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't feel bad for him at all, but I understand why they're doing that. That's all I'm saying. I'm, not, I'm on the player side. I'm in the NFLPA. I don't want to be Corbin, lumped in with Corbin's Daniel a big Snyder. owner guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm Corbin's, part of the, rights. Corbin's part of the NFLPA. He's on the lions team some way or another, if you ask him, <laughs> I like to think I'm affiliated, <laughs> but let's move along to some of the other big name signings and trades. There's one guy 
that I have highlighted here that I, we can talk about for a little bit, but I am so fucking sick of it. So let's clear out some of these other guys first. Daniel Jones re-signing with the Giants. He's on a four-year, $160 million deal, which is pretty interesting because that can give us... Paid. A, yes, sir. Danny Dimes. He's more Danny Dollars now. Ooh, getting an upgrade. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting just because a lot of people are wondering what Jared Goff is going to cost us if we decide to re-sign him. And he's probably going to want northwards of that, maybe like a four-year, $180 million extension. So about $45 million a year. I don't think that's out of the question. And I didn't like to see that contract come out because I really don't think that Daniel Jones is worth $160 million. But I guess that's for the Giants to decide. But Geno Smith, he's coming back to the Seahawks. We got Derek Carr moving over to the Saints. That's an interesting one. Finally don't have three quarterbacks, Jameis, Taysom Hill, and Andy Dalton. It sounds like they got one stable guy until they decide to roll Taysom out for. Do you see that? Do you see that meme where it was like quarterback efficiency with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill versus Derek Carr's last year, and it was like the exact same. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Well, I don't think I think Jared Goff is a step above those guys. So people will say, "I don't want to pay a quarterback for forty-five million dollars a year." Well, look at the three teams, four teams this year, really, who have signed quarterbacks to big deals. Right in that range. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's going to be getting $50 million for whatever team he plays for next year. And Goff is definitely a step above him. So, I mean, you can get it done. <laughs> he definitely is. There's no question. All so roads I, are pointing to us taking a quarterback at six. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, but first, Jimmy G, he's going to the Raiders as well. Raiders are still definitely in the market for a quarterback in the draft. He is a perfect bridge QB for them and for a year or two. And now we'll talk a little bit of Aaron Rodgers, even though I am so sick of this headline whore. Just every single day he wants to be in the news. He wants to be the talk of the town. And it was speculated that he was going to the Jets. He came out of his darkness retreat, all ambiguous on what he was going to do. And then he went on the Pat McAfee show and he said that him going to the Jets is pretty much a done deal. They are just working out compensation. And it seems like the Jets are willing to play ball, but the Packers want as much as they can get, even though they've gone on record and said they're just want fair value or anything just to get Aaron Rodgers up. I mean, it's clear that he is not going to be playing in Green Bay, which I'm so thankful for. But like, just get this deal done with the Jets. Like what what's the hold up here? I I just can't stand him. He's I imagine in real life, he's got to be one of the worst people to be around. He's such a fucking diva. I mean, I feel like people got to be in his face, too. You think he's coming out and saying, I need to be in the news? Or do you think people are just jamming a microphone down his throat, getting him to talk? But Honestly, dude, I think it's him. I think it's him. I you really do? Too. He goes on Absolutely. the show every single Tuesday. That's all. He's on Zoom. That's with his buddy. That is not a PR thing. He doesn't even talk to his family. You think he can be managed by a PR agency? My man said he was inoculated. (laughs) Dude, he didn't have to say. And if he really didn't care, he wouldn't have said anything about this darkness retreat or the ayahuasca. Like he loves the fucking attention, man. He loves everybody on ESPN stroking his dick saying, where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? And I am just so sick of it. Like, I'm just glad he's out of Green Bay. I don't think that I want to talk about this subject anymore. I mean, you can look into any news article that you want. Everyone has written an article every day about Aaron Rodgers, and I really don't want to perpetuate this narrative and give him more time in the spotlight. I know that our hundreds of listeners are going to really be (laughs) 
or hundred. I, I don't want any more of the the spotlight to be shone on him. You know, I'm not going to give him his day in court. So we'll move on here and we'll talk a little bit more NFC North news because there was another big trade that went down just a week or two ago. And that is the Chicago Bears trading out of that number one overall pick. They sent it to the Panthers in exchange for DJ Moore, the wide receiver for the Panthers. Um, this year's number nine pick, a 2023 second, a 2024 first, and a 2025 second. So in total, a number one receiver, uh, two first and two seconds. So that is a damn good haul for the Bears, honestly. I mean, good for them. You know, that number one pick, it's definitely not going for pennies. The Panthers obviously have their eye on a couple of quarterbacks that they want to take right there, and they want to be able to get their favorites. So I understand the move for them. I do think that they gave up the whole house just to get him. And now mm-hmm. they've re-signed some guys in some free agency, but DJ Moore, he's not just a throw in like he's better than chase Claypool. And he went for a second. So he's still a young guy. Chicago has been loading up on wide receivers and they got plenty of capital for that number one pick. They'll still be in a good position to take, you know, one of their, their favorite guys in the draft at number nine. That is how you trade back my friends. Yep. Yeah. Hate to say it, but, Really, really great move by the Bears there. I mean, they're showing confidence in their quarterback. This is a QB-heavy draft on the front end, and they're still probably going to be able to get one of their favorite guys. Uh-huh. Pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, they can trade back again and still get more capital, but I like where they pick at nine because they have made a lot of moves in free agency, and I don't have every signing in front of me, but they still need some help on the offensive line. They're also down a running back now, so... Bijan could definitely be in the cards for them at number nine, which scares me. It's a little bit of a long shot, but I'm just saying, don't be surprised if they take Bijan because with him and Justin Fields and the wide receiver core that they have together, I mean, it could be special. They did sign Foreman, but that's not enough. So I definitely think Bijan could be happening. Yep. They got Khalil Herbert. I think they signed Travis Homer there as well. If I'm not mistaken, he's, he's definitely just a, a glue on the back end of the running back clan. Yeah, we all know Khalil Herbert's the real guy. So if anyone is in a <laughs> fantasy league and wants to trade for him, just let me know. Shout out to me! <laughs> Until they take Bijan, and then he will just plummet in value. But before we get into some of the Lions moves, let's talk about one more guy who was on our radar before free agency opened up, and that's Jalen Ramsey. He's been traded to the Miami Dolphins for a 2023 third-round pick and Hunter Long, a tight end. So honestly... Not a whole lot that they had to give up to go out and get them. They are taking on a, I think, pretty much all of that contract. I, I think maybe the Rams have a little bit that they're responsible for still, but they get one of the best cornerbacks in the league. It seemed like that was one of his preferred destinations. Maybe coming to Detroit was a little bit of a pipe dream, but just like I said, there was no way the Rams were going to be cutting him. It had to be a trade. And so the Rams traded are... him for couch change. <laughs> yeah basically. But again, they are in some cap troubles as well. So freeing it up. I mean, I guess I understand the move, but you see like a lot of guys who are big name players like Stefan Gilmore go to the Cowboys, I think for a fifth round pick. So I think the value of getting that contract off the books goes a long ways. And that's something that people don't think about. They just see, Oh, third round pick only for Jalen Ramsey. Holy shit. That's a steal. But when you're in cap trouble, you may as well get something instead of just cutting them and getting nothing. I agree. So with that said, let's move in to some of the Lions free agent additions, and we'll get into some of the guys that we have re-signed 
um, that we currently have in-house in a little bit here, but let's talk about some of the outside guys that we have brought in. So the very first day of the legal tampering period, which happened between Monday and Wednesday of last week, uh, the Lions pretty quickly made a deal with Cameron Sutton. He's a cornerback from Pittsburgh. He's on a three-year deal worth $33 million and $22.5 guaranteed. So it's essentially a two-year deal and a chance to get out from under that after two years. So he'll be with us for at least 2024, if not 2025 as well. But he was one of the guys that I had on my free agent list uh, last week when I quickly breezed through that. But he's a great cover corner. The Steelers fans absolutely love him. Uh, he's just been a guy that has consistently improved over his career with the Steelers. In 2021 and 2022, those were his best years yet. So he has a high ceiling. and I think that his best football is yet to be played. And I'm just happy that it's in Detroit. That was our big splash signing of the the free agency period this far and so Cameron Sutton he's going to stop he's going to start right away um not really any injury concerns i mean he's really one of the the ideal guys the top cornerbacks in this class one of them so i'm over the moon to get him i thought that was a slam dunk signing right there yeah he was uh i mean pff rankings last year have uh him at 28 our next highest ranked corner corner on our roster is Will Harris at 64. So big upgrade, pretty, pretty big upgrade. Yep. And he'll be an exclusively on the outside corner. Doesn't have really any slot potential. Um, but I mean, that's a position that we absolutely needed. We were going in knowing that we needed to upgrade our defense and everyone's been eyeing cornerback in the first round for the lions in the draft. So, you know, just having him, gives us the flexibility to go best player available. And the next big signing that we had, I believe it was on Monday as well, was Emmanuel Mosley. He's a corner coming out of San Francisco. We got him on a one-year, $6 million deal. So a bit of a prove-it deal just because he is coming off of an injury, but he was the 49ers' best starter in 2021. He's absolutely lights out. Another outside guy. San Francisco fans on Reddit are going absolutely berserk. I like going on other subreddits just to kind of see what the fans think of each player. And there's definitely some guys that we have parted ways with that we don't really have their back, but Mosley and Sutton are not them. Steelers fans and 49ers fans were freaking out, losing them, just seeing we got Mosley on a one-year $6 million deal. We're tripping, like, how did we not sign him on that? Like, we could have done that. But again, he is coming off the injury. Him and Sutton were actually teammates for Tennessee, interesting enough. So they got some camaraderie there. That could be our two starting cornerbacks on the outside right there. And we just locked them up for a combined, what, 17 million. And obviously we're not tied down with Mosley for the long term, kind of like a similar deal to what DJ Shark got last year. So this front office team, Brad Holmes has just been signing these guys to, you know, relatively cheap team friendly deals with options to get out after a year or two or, you know, just a one year deal. So it's not going to really affect us down the road. It's not going to be like a Trey Flowers signing where we have dead cap for a couple of years waiting for that to come off the books until we actually have some flexibility with our cap. Yeah, big fan of these uh, these short contracts that were signed to. Another big signing that we had. David Montgomery, the running back from Chicago Bears. I'm sure everybody knows him, and we'll get into him a little bit more here. I just want to talk about David Montgomery for now, but we signed him to a three-year deal worth $18 million. Again, another contract that we can get out of after two years. It's pretty much like a two-year $12 million deal. But if you look at the market for running backs, I mean, I kind of put him in the same tier as Miles Sanders. 
And he signed a four-year deal with the Panthers worth $25 million. So Sanders is getting a slight bit more than Montgomery is. But the style that we play, I would rather have Montgomery over him. I've always liked him. Chicago fans are pissed to lose him. Obviously, I don't mind taking a guy from the Bears as well, just so we can ram it down their throats with him two times a year. So I like David Montgomery as a player, always have. And it's it's funny because I was listening to the um, Pro Football Talk podcast on a drive a couple of weeks ago or a month or two ago, right during the Super Bowl, and Aiden Hutchinson was getting interviewed, and they asked him who was a sneaky good player that you went up against. And he said David Montgomery, that he's just a small kind of little bowling ball, and he's kind of hard to wrap up. But then I also remember David Montgomery was the one who got suplexed or RKO'd on the uh, the goal line. <laughs> When we were playing him in Chicago. So that'll be a nice little union there. But David yeah. Montgomery is a great running back and he's a perfect compliment to Swift. That was a great signing. Um, the only concern you might have going in is that he was under four yards of carry. But the thing is that Bears offensive line was abysmal. And exactly. he was he was just south of uh, four. So I have no doubt that he can get above that this season. Yeah. And yeah. the lad can catch. And the Bears' offense was really trending more toward an outside zone scheme, which is not really his game. So I think, like you were saying, Corbin, he really slots into this offense really well. I think he's kind of the thunder to Swift's lightning. But he also, he's he's a, good enough to be a three-down back on his own, too, which I think, uh, you know, love to Jamal, but I don't think Jamal was really a three-down back, whereas David Montgomery, I would feel more than okay with him being our RB1 if Swift goes down. Yep. And the other thing that kind of gets overlooked is his durability. He's only missed six games in his career. So he's a guy who's going to stay on the field, and that's something that we need, you know, knowing that Swift has had in that injury history. So, But like mm-hmm. I said, we'll talk about him a little bit more. We'll do some comparing and contrasting when we talk about some of our free agent departures, sad to say, but another guy who's back in town, another one who made my free agent list that we should look into. It's Graham Glasgow from the Broncos. He is back in Detroit after starting his career with the lions. He moved on to Denver back in 2020. He is on a one-year deal up to 4.5 million. So I don't know how much of that is guaranteed. There's might be some incentives in place there, but at the very worst, he is a good piece of depth. He has the versatility to play center and guard, which is nice. And then we still have Halapuli Vutivaitai under contract. We will likely be restructuring or probably offering him a cut, like similar to what we have with Charles Harris and Romeo Aquara. Otherwise, we'll just outright cut him. So I see a pay cut in the future for him. Between Big V and Graham Glasgow, I think we have our starting right guard right there, and that really helps us with our flexibility in the draft in terms of our offensive linemen. So glad to see Glasgow back. He was uh, always a fan favorite and he is uh boys with Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker. So I think they're happy to have him back in the fold. Yeah. I think it's uh like you're saying really shores up a position that was kind of a carousel last year with Vitae being out. Um, if Vitae's in, then, hey, we've got our two guys. If not, then Glasgow can kind of slot right in and, and be really serviceable. Mm-hmm. And Frank had those injuries with the foot last year. He yeah. hasn't been yeah. – I mean, he had, like, the throat the year before, but he doesn't have, like, a pristine injury record. So he has that center and guard versatility, which is versatility, which is something that our coaching staff really loves in their linemen. So glad to have him back. And then late last night – 
CJ Gardner Johnson, nickel safety hybrid from the Eagles, is signing with the Lions on a one-year $8 million deal. And just when I thought that the Cameron Sutton deal couldn't be outdone, this is my favorite signing so far. Very similar to the DJ Shark deal. $8 million, one-year deal. He was holding out for a little bit more, but it seems like the Eagles weren't able to give him a lot of guaranteed money. So the Lions are pretty much guaranteeing this entire contract, and we probably have the best defensive player that was available after the initial signings on the team now. He's one of the best, if not the best, slot corners in the entire draft, or in the entire free agency class and in the entire NFL, for that matter. He could play free safety. You can line him up in the box. You can play him on in the slot corner. So you can line him up everywhere. It's just a chess piece for Aaron Glenn. Obviously, he played on the Saints, too, when Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn were coaches there. So they know the guy. They're familiar with him, and they love him as a player. So I think that's our biggest get of the, the offseason so far. We needed to bolster the defense, and we went out and did it. It's really going to change how I see the draft. That's, that's what I got to say about that. Well, between... C.J. Gardner, Johnson, Sutton, and Mosley. Those could be our three starters right there. And then we're also bringing back Will Harris. We have Jerry Jacobs and Okuda. So that's our three starters from this past season, along with three guys who are all starters on their old teams. So we have six stud defensive backs in there right now. And Tracy Walker did post a video of him running, and he's looking really good coming off that Achilles injury. I think he's going to be ready by the time camp comes along. But if we do need... CJ to fill in at that free safety role or in the box, even just filling in while Kirby is kind of playing over the top. He can absolutely do that. So I think that was a perfect signing an absolute home run for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And I can't wait to see him though. I don't know if you remember that one video of that bears guy punching the saints player in the face. And then he just looks at him and then he takes another swing. That was CJ Gardner Johnson. So he he's feisty out punched. there. Yeah, he was the one getting punched. He just didn't do anything, and then he got punched again, and then just a whole brawl broke out. So he definitely, he's a guy that you love to have on your team, but you don't want to be lining up against him because he is feisty. He's going to get in your face. He's going to talk. And I kind of like the defensive backs that have that swagger like that. It's going to be helpful for our room and helpful for our team. Yeah. The real Brad Marchand of the NFL. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for, you know, fair amount of these guys are on prove it deals and they're going to have to show up this season. That's good for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, he could be gone right after this year, but if he likes it in Detroit, which pretty much everybody has, he could absolutely stick around and we could re-sign him to a longer term deal because not all of these deals are, you know, we're not locked into them. So we are going to have some flexibility next year. Maybe we can give him, you know, a three or four year extension if it comes down to that. So yeah, I'm glad we have him in the room. We at least have him for this year, and he is going to be a beast. He signed the dotted line, and it's a done deal. Book it. Last addition that we have, Jake McQuaid, a long snapper from Dallas, two-time two All-Pro long snapper. He's here on a one-year deal. We're going to be having a long snapper battle in camp. Scott Daly wasn't the best this year, had a couple of oopsies. I guess on the season. So we're bringing him in just to have a little bit of competition. Who cares about long snappers? I mean, I don't care who we Since roll we with. That's Don Muleback. I just, nothing feels like there's joy in the world anymore. I know without the mule, we're nothing. Hey, fun fact about mules. No mule has ever caused a human death at the grand Canyon. Wow. That is riveting information. Where'd you cook that stat up? 
Uh, I was at the Grand Canyon and they told me about it. (laughs) Very nice. And this is the bowels of the Jonathan. (laughs) So that's going to wrap it up for our additions to the Lions for now. We do have maybe some cap room left. It's kind of tough to tell, but we don't have a whole lot of spots left because we still need to bring in our rookie class and the undrafted free agents for some camp bodies. So for the most part, the Lions are likely done with any splashy signings. We might have some lower level guys that we bring in here or there, but that's pretty much going to do it for the big ticket free agents. So let's get to some of our departures here. Some former Lions, they will be missed. And we'll start it off with the biggest name that we've lost, and that is Jamal Williams. He just broke Barry Sanders' touchdown record, and now he is going to be playing for the Saints. He is on a three-year deal, $12 million. And there's a lot going around about what the Lions offered him, and there's quite a few conflicting reports. But Jamal was up for his presser, his introductory press conference with the Saints, and he said that the Lions' offer was disrespectful, and that's a quote. So it's really – nobody really knows what exactly was offered to him. Because like you have like Kyle Monkey from uh, M Live, he said that the Lions offered him nowhere near what he got from the Saints. But then you have Tom Pelissero with the NFL Network who said that the Lions offered him a million dollars more per year than what the Saints offered him. So what everyone does seem to be in agreement on is that they gave him a deadline and they gave him a number and they told him if he didn't sign by the deadline that they would have to move on. And he didn't accept the Lions deal. And they did not want to risk out on losing some of the free agents they had their eyes on, which was David Montgomery. So they made the move to side David Montgomery. And as soon as you saw the signing, you knew that Jamal's time with the Lions had come to an end. So, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Obviously, everybody loves Jamal. You know, that goes without saying. I mean, it's not just the viral moments. He was a a leader on this team. And he was a big reason why this culture has shifted and we are finally a competitor in Detroit. We are a destination where guys want to come to where we can get a CJ Gardner Johnson or a Cameron Sutton or a David Montgomery. He is a huge reason for that. But that being said, Brad Holmes was able to take his emotion out of this decision. And with a lot of the other guys that we had brought back, we had said, listen, this is our budget. This is the deal that we're offering you. Feel free to shop around if you can get something better. But this is all we can offer. And if you can't agree to these terms by this date, then we might have to look for another option. And that's what we did with Jamal. So we, I do think that we got an upgrade with David Montgomery. They do have about the same amount of touches in the NFL. I'd have to look at college too. But he is two years younger than Jamal. And he also offers the versatility as a pass catcher. And there's plenty of times this past season where you would see Jamal drop balls. You know, he is just primarily a running back. David Montgomery is very similar to Jamal Williams in a lot of ways. Overall, if I had to, you know, in a vacuum, pick between David Montgomery and Jamal, I would probably pick David Montgomery because from what I've heard, he has his own leadership qualities. He's a good locker room guy, and it's sad that we're losing out on him. But at the same time, I think that it was a smart move in the long run. I mean, if you look at it, David Montgomery over every year he's played versus every year that Jamal played, this was Jamal's first like breakout year. And it was based a lot on his just goal line work. 
and yep. whether or not he was going to score that one yard touchdown. So as far as uh, bringing your talent and bringing your skill to the whole team and everything that you can provide, David Montgomery can catch the ball and he's not a small guy. He's five ten, two twenty two. He can probably handle that goal line work as well. Maybe based on those two conflicting reports, maybe the lions offered him a shorter term deal than he wanted or something like that. But I think, Montgomery, I just I totally agree with everything you said. He's just an all around better running back. And I think he's going to be really great in Detroit. I mean, I loved what he said in his first presser, which was essentially, if I got to go out and pass protect every single play, I'll do it. And guess what? He's a pretty damn good pass protector, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I just don't see it as a downgrade. I mean, he's getting six million dollars a year. And so a lot of the anti running back crew. But that that community on Twitter and whatnot, like they're all up in arms about paying six million dollars to a running back. But I mean, that is a pretty damn good deal. And as much as as much shit is talked about running backs and not drafting a running back high and not giving a running back a second year contract, they're not just worthless. And having a good, durable running back is super valuable. And sure, you can take a look at all the past Super Bowl winning teams and look at their running backs and say, like, they don't have Derrick Henry or like uh, Alvin Kamara or a Zeke on the team, but they still open up your offense. You know, there's other parts of the game, too, and maybe running back isn't high on the totem pole, but we got a damn good running back on a team friendly deal. It's really just a two year deal. And that gives us some insurance for when we have to make a decision with Swift after this season. I think he's an all-around good player. Like you said, John, he could be a third down, a three-down running back. And he offers us a lot of things that Jamal just couldn't. So it and, sucks to and, see him go. But And uh, Jamal Williams is also 27, and his history has told us that's the year that running backs start to decline. And so you get David Montgomery when he's still 25 years old, and after two years you can ship him off once he turns 27 and readdress it in the draft. So I think it was definitely a higher upside with the deal that got done. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if David Montgomery goes off for like 1,500 yards and, you know, like 10-plus touchdowns. Not at all. Dude, I think he could be a monster in this offense. He absolutely could. And, I mean, obviously Swift is going to cut into that as well, but who knows what you're getting with him with the injury concerns. And I think everybody in the NFL realizes that too, that Swift just hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. So, it sucks to see Jamal go. And I, I know everybody was super emotional about it, like trying to wrap their heads around it. And, but now that I've had a week to kind of process this and digest it, I think it was the smart move. And it just goes to show that Brad Holmes can, you know, leave his emotions aside and just make the logical decision that's best for the football team. Another thing is too, like you see Jamal on hard knocks, given the rah-rah speeches and you see him after the Packers game going viral we have other guys who can take over that mantle too. Jared Goff got a lot more vocal. We got Amon Ross St. Brown. We've got Aiden Hutchinson who's stepping into his second year. We got Tracy Walker coming back from an injury. Alex Anzalone's back. Bugs is back. So there's plenty of guys who can kind of carry that torch for him and step up as a leader on this team. So I don't think we're losing a whole lot with Jamal. I just wish he could have stayed for free. It's too bad. Yeah. I don't know. Was he, was he, the only or the the biggest leader on this team or is he just the most camera friendly and he really likes going in but a bit of both i think yeah obviously jamal feels slighted by the lions but i think that a little bit of both reports have been true you know i i don't know the exact number we might not ever know what the lions offered him but i think that he, his agent was telling him that he could get him a bigger deal 
and the Lions gave him a deadline and he wasn't able to find another deal. So they ultimately had to settle and that might have irked him a little bit. I don't really know and nobody really does. But what I do know is David Montgomery is here and Jamal is gone. I'll always be a fan, but David Montgomery's got the title for now, in my opinion. So that was the biggest departure for the Lions this offseason. A couple other guys that have gone. Deshaun Elliott is going to the Dolphins on a one-year, $1.77 million deal. So he's had his injury concerns, and let's not forget he was benched a couple of times during the season, too. It would have been nice to have him back because I like him as a box safety, but now we got C.J. Gardner-Johnson. We got Kirby Joseph. We got Tracy Walker coming back. So we do have some pieces in place to take over for him. And actually, this just got announced about 30 minutes ago. Mike Hughes is signing with the Falcons. So he was a guy that split time with uh, Will Harris and that nickel role. So he's going to the Falcons. Sucks we're not going to have him back, but we've upgraded. Evan Brown has been replaced by Graham Glasgow. He is going to the Seahawks on a one-year $2.25 million deal. Um, so a little bit less than I thought that he was going to get all the speculation going into the off season was that he was going to go somewhere for starter money and a one year, $2.25 million deal does not seem like that. So maybe he tested the market and wasn't able to get what he thought. And we went with a proven veteran in Graham Glasgow. I think that's an upgrade over Evan Brown. So last one to go is Chris board. He was kind of our cover linebacker special teamer. He's going to the Patriots on a two-year deal worth up to $6.7 million. So pretty nice contract for him. We didn't really utilize him very much on defense, even though he did offer a lot in special teams. So that's a good deal for him. And I'm not going to blame these guys for taking, you know, these deals because we have definitely splurged a little bit on some more positions in need. And we can address that elsewhere. Linebacker just does not seem to be a priority for this front office. So. So let's get into some of these players that are coming back. A couple of key veterans that were great leaders on this team, like I mentioned a few of them who are going to kind of take the reins from Jamal, but John Kaminsky, a guy who said from the beginning that he wanted to be back in Detroit, is indeed back. He's kind of that interior, outside, like edge hybrid kind of guy on the defensive line. He's on a two-year deal worth $8.5 million, so he's getting a good four-plus million per year to stay in Detroit. Uh, he's a guy that we picked off the waiver wires from the Falcons right during training camp. So he's been a great veteran presence and a mentor for some of our younger guys. Good to see him. It really shores up our our defensive line a little bit, mostly on the edge. Um, but he's somebody that we bumped in on the inside during our NASCAR package and passing down. So glad to see Kaminsky coming back. Alex Anzalone, Tyler's favorite. He's coming back on a three-year, $18.75 million deal, which is basically just a two-year deal. But he expressed interest in staying in Detroit, but he was in a contract year. He wanted to secure the bag, so we were able to amicably agree to a nice $6 million deal for him. And that's nice just because we don't have a whole lot of depth in our linebacking group. So outside of Malcolm and Derek Barnes, he was the best linebacker and the most consistent for us. Obviously he's not an all pro or anything like that, but he had his best season yet in Detroit and we were bringing him back. That's just some one less position that we'll have to address. Uh, Isaiah bugs will be back. Another defensive lineman, interior guy, two year deal worth 4.5 million. He really turned it on half, Halfway through the season, he was bumped into nose tackle, which let Ali McNeil play that more of a three-tech role. But good veteran. He's got some good leadership, gives the rah-rah speeches before the games and whatnot. So he was, I think, maybe our very first re-signing. 
of the off season. So he'll be back in town. Will Harris is coming back as well. Our starting nickel kind of looking like a backup. Now that we have CJ Gardner Johnson, he'll be here on a one year, $2.5 million deal. And that was, uh, I can't remember the exact, um, I guess the numbers behind it, but it's on a vet minimum deal. So the cap hit is not big, but they do pay him 2.5 million. So it's a win-win for the player and for the team. And then belly your favorite, the money I know. Badger is back in Detroit. He played fine, so I'm not that mad about it. But for the love of God, if that guy mix, misses a game-ending kick this year that loses me money, we're going back to hating the money Badger. I mean, I'm fine with it. He's not you know, a long ball specialist or anything, but he's pretty consistent, and it beats having just a kicker battle of shitholes going into camp. So we'll probably bring in somebody, a camp body, just for him to compete against, but it's it's likely another year with a money badger, and I'm okay with it. I mean, we've had a good history of having kickers and Prater and Hanson. You know, he's he's pretty average, and he's been all right for a couple of teams. He's still pretty young, so if he keeps on improving, he could be a staple of this team for years to come. So I don't mind the deal. We needed a kicker, and there's not a whole lot out there. I think it's hard for me because, like you said, the Lions – kicker position is one of our greatest positions you know we have consistency there we have great players and so to go from Jason Hansen and Matt Prater to the money badger who let's be honest we only like him because he has kind of a fun nickname you know no, I don't like him <laughs> he, he did a lot for us I mean he at least had some form of stability that we've had the past two years. I mean, he's been the best kicker that we've had the past two years under the Dan Campbell regime. So I'm fine with it. I mean, sure. We could get a Justin Tucker in there and that would be ideal, but (laughs) there's only one greatest of all time. Yeah. I I mean, he does have potential to turn into a good kicker. It's not, he is on a team every single year. So it's not like he's just some like one and done guy who just falls off a cliff. Like who is the guy with uh, the glasses for the Rodrigo Blankenship? Like he's not even on a team anymore, you know, mm-hmm. or so, Rodrigo. <laughs> I'd like to see us, you know, I wouldn't hate burning a six or seventh round pick on a, on a dude who could make a 60 plus yarder. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people want that guy from Michigan, Jake Moody, and I just hate his fucking helmet, dude. Look it up. It's the smallest helmet I've ever seen on a person in my whole life. Does he have the old does he have the old one bar like Janikowski used to have? I don't think he has the one bar, but dude, the helmet is so small on him. It's so small and it just drives me crazy. He was oh, money, he's, but yeah. he's got a noggin, dude. <laughs> he's kind of a big guy, but yeah, his helmet is not. I know it's <laughs> fucked up and it just drives me wild, man. But I mean, Funny. Money Badgers, he's consistent and you really just can't trust rookie kickers. Like when's the last time you had a good rookie kicker? I think McPherson for the Bengals, he was solid, but I couldn't even tell you the last time like a rookie kicker's just been with the same team forever. They usually bounce around for a few years and then they finally find their groove and settle in. And I'm hoping that's what we have with Badgley because he's already kind of been there, done that. So we'll see. What's his what's his range kind of as long? I mean, Badgley? You wouldn't yeah. want to do anything over like 50 yards. I was going to say he only yeah. had two over 50 yards. Man, see, I, I just want he's someone only, to hit at least. He's only got five his entire career over 50 yards. But Dan Campbell likes to go for it on fourth down, so he might be the perfect kicker for us. That's true. I mean, yeah, I he, he's, he's not a long-legged guy, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, he's at least consistent, fairly accurate. So you could do worse. You could it's definitely better than do the worse. kicker carousel that a lot of teams exactly. play. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'd rather that. just ride with them. 
So that's enough kicker talk though. A couple other guys that we re-signed CJ Moore special teamers on a two year, four and a half million dollar deal. He also is kind of that fourth safety for us stepped in a couple of times when we had our injuries. So Ross Pierschbacher, he's another interior offensive line guy has that guard and center versatility with Graham Glasgow signed him off the Browns practice squad right after we made our first round of cuts, I believe. So he'll be back. Craig Reynolds, Netflix, he's back kind of that third, fourth running back. We got Matt Nelson, who was kind of our third offensive lineman in the jumbo package. He'll be back. Gives us a little bit of depth at tackle, but that's definitely something we'll probably look to address in the draft. And then we have our exclusive right free agent tenders, Anthony Pittman, special teamer, Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra. Ben's favorite are back to round out the tight end room on good deals. Benito Jones, another nose guy that we got from the Dolphins practice squad. And Scott Daly will be competing against McQuaid for that long snapper. Benito. <laughs> Man, I love Benito flakes. They're a great thing to put on a dish. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. It's a fish. It's a fish. Well, Benito flakes, the fish. Well, so Benito like, is the sure. fish. Benito flake. Eh. Ah. You're uncultured. You're uncultured. It's fine. I don't um, know it either. So I'm not cultured. Okay, I guess. <laughs> My general thoughts on our strategy and free agency is all hail Brad Holmes because I don't know how he was able to swing some of these deals like CJ Gardner, Johnson, Cam Sutton, Mosley, but he's proven that people really do want to come to Detroit and play for this team. And we are going all in this year. I mean, we have those contract restructures where we are kicking the can down the road, which could impact what we do in the future. But with that, we also have a little bit more room to sign another guy or two to help this team win now this year. So we are going all in this year. We are going playoffs or bust. We are going to win the NFC North. We're going to win a playoff game. And hell, we might even challenge for a Super Bowl. I mean, it's out there. It's not just a pipe dream anymore. And I know during the season, I was trying to, you know, not get my heart ripped out, but I can't help it anymore. I'm all in. I'm diving in. I am fully committed. This team is a wagon and you better get on now. I was saying it last year. I was a little bit premature, but now is the time to become a Lions fan. I uh I don't know if it'll happen this year, but it it things are definitely shaping up and I understand where the hype comes from this time. I have in years past when people do this, I'd be like you're an idiot. But the way that season ended and all these signings having to do it now instead of in the draft and who knows if draft guys are going to even pan out. So I think all the signings were very good and we bolstered the D and that was the plan. I think it's uh, not too crazy to say that we have the roster to back up our hype coming into this season. A lot of the time we have a lot of hype. Our roster's really not, uh, you know, top to bottom going to compete with those top end teams in the NFL, but I would have to say this year, especially after these signings. And then if we can get a few solid starter level rookies in this draft, I, I like where we're headed a lot. I think we're headed for the, I, I, I really don't think it's unrealistic to say a playoff win is almost an expectation next year. I agree. I'm excited. Now the thing is, we really don't know where we stand so much because there are so many intricacies with guarantees and the cap hits and the signing bonuses. And I'm not a capologist by any means, but we really 
we most likely don't have a lot of money left to spend this year. Obviously we still have to sign our rookie class. There's some guys who could take a pay cut or some guys that we might cut outright to save some more money. So that stuff has yet to happen. And we don't, I can't even remember the date where we have to be under a certain threshold. It's like the first 50 contracts or the highest 50 contracts count against your cap going into training camp. So that's something to look at, but there's also not a lot of roster spots um, just because we do have that rookie class and the undrafted free agents coming in for camp. So we might add a couple more spots, but one guy in particular who has yet to be signed is DJ shark. And that's a position that, you know, we were, I wouldn't say we need it, but it's definitely a position that we could use another guy at because right now we have Amon Ra St. Brown, Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds, and Khalif Raymond. Those are the four guys who are returning who actually played valuable minutes for us. I mean, I think there's like Tom Kennedy and some other guys, obviously to Trinity Benson. I think like those are guys who could make the team, but obviously like they're no DJ shark. And he went and visited the Panthers, but they have not come to an agreement yet. So it really kind of seems that it's between us and the Panthers. And just in my opinion, and I'm just speculating here, he's trying to get something long-term with the Panthers just because they lost DJ Moore. They did resign or they did sign Adam Thielen, but that hasn't happened yet. So he might just be back in Detroit for another year. Cause he likes it here. He said he likes it here. Uh, just another year on a one-year deal. I mean, another prove it for him, but I mean, he's getting money. So he'd be a great guy to bring back. And the one thing I wanted to talk about before we moved on here is how this is going to impact our draft strategy. And I don't know what you guys think, but you know, just our main needs at this point, our quarterback, we have not signed a quarterback, which is very interesting to me because we do need a backup still. And a lot of the other premium backups outside of maybe like a Teddy Bridgewater have already signed with other teams. So this actually could leave the door open for us to potentially draft a quarterback. Now, I don't know if that's at six or 18 or maybe like a Hendon hooker in the second, but we're definitely going to be signing a quarterback at some point, whether it's, you know, somebody who's in through free agency or through the draft. So that's definitely one position I'm keeping an eye on. And I wouldn't be surprised if we grab a veteran and a rookie. For me, I mean, there's a lot of uh, different paths we can go down. It just seems like more and more that we're going to take like a Will Levis at six. Um, I would much prefer the Hendon Hooker route. Um, take him in the second, get someone else. If if Will Anderson or Jalen Carter are there at six, those are must-haves. But I've got a feeling both of those guys are going to be gone. And then outside of that, it'll be Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young. And then Will Levis will fall to us at six. Um, other than that, we also, I mean, are we going to ride with Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra? I don't, I know I picked it in my mock. I don't want them to take a tight end at 18, but I could just see him doing it just because. I don't of, think so. I don't think I, so. I, I think they go receiver at 18. I would, see, I would like that better. I, I wouldn't have like, it. uh, what's his name? Like I want a Musgrave in the fourth. I want JSN from Ohio State at 18. He's not he's nice. gonna go before 18. I agree. I think he'll be the first wide receiver taken. I actually have a future I on him being the first wide Johnson? receiver taken. Oh, absolutely, dude. He's so good. It's like Jamar Chase. Like says Quentin Johnson's like the dude. I, I personally love JSN, but everyone that I see says Quentin Johnson is the number one wide receiver. He's just I mean, got the size, but they were saying that he's like almost like a problem. Like he's a distraction guy. He's not focused. He had a lot of stupid drops. Um, JSN, though, he he played with Garrett Wilson. 
and who was Chris Olave at the same time, and he blew him out of the water on stats, and then he hurt his hammy and couldn't play the rest of the year. The guy's a stud. He had a good combine with his agility drills. He's got to be the first one off the board. So here's my thing with Quentin Johnson. I would not be surprised if he turns out to be the best wide receiver in this class, but he does have a very low floor too because he does have some drop issues, some concentration drops, and just outright drops. But he also has a very limited route tree. And you've seen a lot of receivers who are just kind of deep ball only guys. And Jamison Williams was almost kind of pegged like that, but he does have a much more sophisticated route tree than Quentin Johnson does coming out. TCU, he really didn't get asked to do much other than run deep balls and like some stuff out in the flats and then just rely on his athletic ability to make something happen out of nothing. So I think that JSN Jackson Smith and Jigba is the most well-rounded receiver in this class. I'd love to see him in Detroit. Again, I think that we do have some other needs here. Quarterback, I mean, the the way that we've set ourselves up in free agency, specifically with cornerback, we are in the position to take best player available. And I think right now, outside of quarterback, defensive tackle is our next biggest need because we really only have Bugs, Aleem McNeil, and Benito Jones. So we could use a guy who could play nose tackle or fill in that three tech and use like Bugs and Aleem to to team up on the nose there. So Jalen Carter, obviously on paper, if he falls to us at six would be awesome, but he just had his pro day and he couldn't even make it through the drills. You know, he was gassed. They said he had a real bad pro day. And that on top of the, the whole, you know, racing scandal with that resulted in the death of a teammate and a staffer. I mean, I really don't know what to think about him. And a lot of it's going to come down to his interviews because you'll see guys who are highly touted guys coming into the draft every single year, like Micah Parsons with the whole scandal at Penn State and then Laramie Tunzel too. And they could absolutely pan out to be good players. But I mean, after the whole racing incident and having to leave the combine and then you go to your pro day and you can't even make it through the drills, it's just a bad look and it just doesn't seem like he's a Dan Campbell kind of guy. So as much talent as he has, I mean, you've seen guys like a Robert Kimdichi, like he was supposed to be the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. And I think he fell out of the first round entirely, maybe like beginning a second or very end of the first round, but he didn't pan out to be anything. So it's, it's scary there. And if you have like a Tyree Wilson or a Will Anderson, sure. It might not be as much of a position of need, I'd say that you would go and take them over a Jalen Carter, or maybe you do go with a quarterback because you have a guy with a fifth year option that you can rely on if we don't decide to re-sign golf. And then we have a quarterback on a rookie contract. So I don't know what to think about Jalen Carter. It's still kind of up in the air for me, but he's definitely gone down on my board. And I don't know if he's even an option at 18 for us at this point, much less six. Back to the quarterback thing, just for me, if the idea is the Lions are trending in the correct direction and they're going to be a playoff team, then we will never have a pick this high again. And quarterback will probably not be obtainable unless we hemorrhage our future and have to trade up down the road. So I just think it's time. Will Levis has a cannon. He's got some work to do, but I don't think it's a bad move to bring him in, have him sit behind golf for a little bit, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely other options for – competitors to move up and get a quarterback, whether that's through free agency, a trade, like look at the 49ers, what they did for Trey Lance, if they thought they had the guy and that's just a string of bad luck there, but there are other ways to do it other than just, you know, picking where your spot is. 
But I mean, if they like a guy, I mean, I've definitely come around on quarterback a bit, but keep an eye on Hendon Hooker in the second round because he's a guy that would be a first rounder if it wasn't for that ACL injury. I mean, he's right up there with the Will Levises of the world. So I think we can get him on a much more favorable, well, for much more favorable draft capital as opposed to using that six overall pick on him. So we just got to alert Damian Harris to the Patriots. Uh, wow. Yeah. To the Bills, to the Bills. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Really interesting. Could still be a landing spot for Bijan. I can't wait to see where he goes. But yeah, like I was saying, I mean, we can really go best player available here. And the main positions of need are quarterback and defensive tackle, in my opinion. We could still use a wide receiver. There's still an offensive guard that we could need, depending on what we do with Big V. Uh, linebacker, that's just kind of been a position that we have shown we don't really care as much about, so we might just roll with what we've got. Tight end is kind of in the same boat. I think we're pretty happy with the tight ends we have in-house. And then cornerback, the reason why I have them there is because we already have six good corners on the roster, but we only have C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley on a one-year deal. Jeff Okuda, he's likely not going to have his fifth-year option picked up. So that's going to be three corners potentially leaving in free agency next year. And we got Jerry Jacobs for a year after this and who else? And then Will Harris too. So we could be losing four guys next year. So having a rookie to learn and maybe be the running bait for, uh, for Cameron Sutton is might be a good move. So I don't think that cornerback is out of the question still. You guys have any other thoughts about free agency? Yeah, I feel good. I think they're doing some short-term deals, looking to gain some success this year and then kind of just go from there with a a bevy of options. Well, we can just go weapons-free in the draft and do whatever the hell we want. Best player available, and that's really exciting. So throw all the mocks out the window. It doesn't matter if it's an edge at six, a quarterback, a cornerback. Whatever we want to do, we have flexibility. And so props to Brad Holmes for setting us up for success in a month here. Yeah, that's funny. I've actually seen mocks with all three of those happening at six for us. So really just kind of totally up in the air. Yeah, it's nice to not be strapped and kind of forced into taking a guy that we might not be 100% sold on. So we're just going to go with the guys that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes will be the best fit. It's good to be a good sports town again. Hey, oh, let's go. Let's fucking go, Lions, baby. Detroit football. We are back. That's going to do it for the free agency frenzy, guys. We'll keep you posted on Instagram if we have any more signings of note. Not likely, but Ben's been doing a good job on that, keeping the social media following appraised of what we're doing in free agency. So let's move it on to some betting with the belly. Uh, Getting back to betting with the belly after two weeks, we're going to go over the bets from that time period. It looks like Corbin had Corey Seager total hits over 146 and a half, which will remain to be closed until the end of the baseball season. We'll have to jump back to that in about uh, 200 days. Um, After that, I had Jan under four and a half rounds, and that fight went the distance, and Marab Devishvili kicked his ass. Good thing that... Sunday, Ben, or Saturday, Ben, is different than Monday, Ben, and I always change these bets, and it always seems to work in my favor. (laughs) Cashed in on that one. Sorry, I didn't give you the pick ahead of time. After that, we got John Rahm to finish ahead of Rory McIlroy in the players, I'm assuming. Uh, And I don't even remember. That was so long ago, but it looks Uh, like Rahm. Oh, he had to withdraw. So the boys weren't too kind to you on one. uh, No, no, no conclusion to a bet and then two wrong. So hopefully you didn't ride with us. 
Uh, moving on to this week's betting with the belly. Corbin, what do you got for us? Well, March Madness is obviously the big thing that's going on. And I watched pretty close to every single game these past Thursday through Sunday, these games. So there's a couple that have stood out to me. Sweet 16 is established. Sparty is still dancing. So they are minus one and a half versus Kansas State. I kind of want to take it, but I really like Arkansas plus three and a half versus UConn. It's minus 105 odds plus 150 money line. I just like Arkansas. They just upset Kansas. They made a run last year. UConn's a really good team. That's scary, but I don't know. I'm rolling with the Razorbacks, boys. What do you think? UConn's just got that one huge white guy that's like seven foot four. I was cracking up watching that guy play. (laughs) Yeah, and there's also, I put together a little knee-jerk parlay, just kind of looking at some of the games I liked, and I picked four of them. Michigan State minus one and a half, Arkansas plus three and a half, Gonzaga plus two and a half, and Texas minus three and a half. That is plus 1126 odds. I did put a little $5 parlay down on there for fun, but usually one or two of those won't pan out very likely, but I like all those teams out of the, what, eight games that we have going on? Oh, yeah. Thursday and Friday. It'll be a hot Thursday and Friday. I love the tournament. John, moving on to you, what do you got? Well, much like Corbin, I was thinking basketball and uh, kind of similar. I was between picking either the the Gonzaga game or the MSU game. I do like Gonzaga plus two and a half. In fact, I actually kind of like that bet better than the one I'm going to go with. But I'm from Michigan, so I'm going to take MSU giving a point and a half. No, fuck that. I'm going to take MSU money line. 130 uh minus 134 against Kansas State. I don't hate the little safety bet there John and not doing the spread. Michigan State looked great in their victory. They shot horridly from the three-point line and I think they were like they've won one game this year when they make less than five three-pointers but they found a way to get it done. Uh they're playing great defense. Uh there was a stretch there during the game where Michigan State just looked bad. And then as soon as Marquette kept coming it down, they kept turning the ball over. We get a steal. It was awesome to watch the boys in green move on to the Sweet 16. Izzo's dangerous in, uh, in tourney season. We're still uh, dancing. Those trees oh, yeah. are going to fall, and we've got the guard play. I hope so. I'm a little worried about Kansas State. They look good, but if we make it to the Elite Eight, that'll be amazing. I'd love to see it. Love my boys in green. Moving on to my course i got a ufc parlay going together we got macy barber holly holm and Corey sandhagen they're all about minus 200 favorites so they should win but anything can happen in a fight that parlay pays out plus 198 and then of course i gotta go to my college basketball i've been flirting with these alt spread parlays where if i like a team i just go to the alt spread and just link them together with all the other people and buy as many points as i can so on the alt spread parlay you get msu plus five and a half tennessee plus two and a half ucla plus five and a half SDSU plus 14, Miami plus 12 and a half, Princeton plus 16, and Texas plus three and a half. It's basically just a big teaser, but that plays that pays plus six ninety-seven. Just throw a little five dollar on that to have a good time if you'd like to enjoy the games this Thursday and Friday. And that is gonna wrap up betting with the belly. And we got something great for you next. I like it, Belly. Let's move on. Ben, you've been slimming down, and I am ready to jump up and get in those guts with this week's Bowels of the Belly. Give it to us. Welcome back to the Bowels of the Belly. Um, So March Madness was this weekend, and I know we already touched on it with some of our bets, but I just want to talk to you guys. Did you have any bad beats this weekend? Any bets that came down to the wire and you just just lost on it? 
Not like I, the TCU game. What's that? Oh, you lost on the TCU game? No, I did not. Not like that. Okay. Well, I actually cashed on that TCU bet, which ended up making up for this other one that happened. Every year, the tournament Thursday comes around and I get, it's all the hype and it's all anybody can talk about. And for some reason, I just, I can never quite get into Thursday. It's just kind of like a teaser for me. Well, that all changed Friday. Once Michigan state won, I put together a mean 10 team parlay and I was so confident in it. And we get down to the last four games Friday night. I think Indiana was playing TCU, Kansas State, and Memphis. And there was one game that I was worried about, and it was the Memphis game. And so I don't know if you watched the Memphis game, but that game was an absolute circus. One of Memphis's best scorers, uh, he had three fouls with like 18 minutes to go, and uh, they left him on the floor after he gets his third foul, and then he just gets like a nothing foul. So he's got four fouls, big game, and they got to pull him out of the game. Penny Hardaway crazy as can be decides to put him back in with 13 minutes left and he ends up playing the rest of the game and then i can't remember the guy's name from uh memphis who transferred from smu but this guy kind of took over during the period when um uh this guy was out and so it comes down to like the last five minutes this guy goes up for a shot and he steps on a guy's ankle and he like rolls his ankle he's screaming in pain he tells that the ref to stop the game and everything and so at this point, I'm like, oh, no, Memphis is going to lose. And so this is the last leg of my 10-team parlay, too. And I, nobody ever hits 10-team parlays. And so uh, this guy rolls his ankle, and all of a sudden, he's, like, screaming at his teammates. He's pushing Penny Hardaway. Anyway, Memphis somehow finds a way to bounce back. They're up one with, like, 20 seconds to go. And just in typical bad beat fashion, these guys just throw the ball away, and the uh, Florida Atlantic guy comes down and just lays in this super pretty layup and there was nobody there to stop him. And of course I get a text from my buddy. The moment the game ends, he goes, <laughs> should have bet Florida Atlantic. Huh? And I was, <laughs> I was like, I'll kill you. But turns around, turns out I had a pretty good weekend gambling. So not the most exciting bowels of the belly, but I just want you to know if you lost money on that Memphis game, old belly was with you. Sad as can be. My bad beats were um, the St. Mary's and UConn over. It was the lowest one of the day yesterday at like, like 125 and a half. And it finished at 125 with like a minute and 30 seconds left. Just a bunch of stupid fucking misses, man. It pissed me off so much. They had like a minute and a half to score one basket, nothing. And then there was another one. Well, I think I had Memphis in that game with the points. It was like minus two and a half. So that was screwed for me. So not as bad of a beat, but the best beat that I had was Michigan State and Marquette. I had neither on a race to 70 points. It was like plus 290. And so we were sitting at 68 points, and they foul with like 15 seconds left. And we shoot a free throw. We hit the front. So we're at 69 points. He misses the second. They dribble down, turn the ball over. And so there's 10 seconds left. And all we have to do is just like inbound it and end it. So we get trapped in the corner. I thought for sure they were going to fall. No foul. We call a timeout. Then we inbound it. And Malik Hall is like going to the rim. And I'm like, God, don't dunk it. Don't dunk it. And he pulls <laughs> off last second to save that race to 70 for me. So I cashed out on that. It was awesome. Oh, those kind of bets are what, yeah, what brings you back. Yep. Emma was watching with me. I was like, I just can't have him score 70. We're going to win. We just don't want him to score 70. And I just lost my fucking mind as soon as that hit. It was beautiful. That's why like unders and stuff like that are just so nerve wracking to watch. Like the whole game, you're like, do good, but don't do that good. 
Let's let's, well, let's we, reel back. <laughs> we had like 60 points with a minute left. And after all the free throws and everything, like we just racked it up that quick. So yeah. That one had me scared for I'm sure. I'm excited for this weekend, though. I'll tell you that much. I know, me too. We got some good games on the slate. And that's gonna wrap up the bowels of the b- 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 belly. Yes, it is. And now we get to go to another March Madness theme segment. We are doing Bark Madness for our first draft in a couple of months here. So how this is going to work is we are each going to select a dog breed to fill out a starting five. And then we are also going to have a coach. So we will each have six picks made point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward center, and then the head coach. So we will each select a dog breed to represent us for those positions. And you will have to vote as listeners for who has the best team assembled. So I am going to randomize this order and we have John going first, then Ben, and then me. And it's kind of just how I wanted it to. So I didn't want the two in a row. (laughs) Yep. So John, you are going to go first. What do you got for us? Oh man. It's a lot of pressure. Oh, I know my 1.01 and I hope you don't take it. (laughs) I think I know where I'm going. Uh, think I'm gonna go. You know, the leader of the team, composing everything, going border collie at points. You five. bitch! It's <laughs> a damn good pick, John. Yeah, they're the smartest dog in the world. I had a border collie growing up. Rest in peace, Leo. He was amazing. And I uh, just think that they're they're the ones. I mean, their job is literally to organize herds of things so i think they'd be a great point guard athletic too yeah. super athletic yeah that was a good pick nah, i had them as my 1.01 as the point guard well so this makes up for my uh my turkey which you guys roasted the shit out of me on yeah, get over uh, it. I, I had it back in the bottom honestly it wasn't that good of a pick anyways what do you got ben <laughs> uh well he took my facilitator away but there is another one that's very similar to the border collie and uh he's he's quite agile he's very good at at, at really running the running the farm if i may we're going with the australian shepherd at point guard i knew you were going aussie that's a good one but i can't believe you guys let one fall to me now we have an australian shepherd mix and she is fast as fuck so you guys have some speedier point guards. I might take a different approach because I'm thinking of a whole team building aspect, the perfect roster here. Now you guys can form your little super teams, but if they don't have chemistry, then you know, you're <laughs> shit out of luck. You're just stuck with the Brooklyn Nets, and I've assembled like the Miami Heat from whenever LeBron was there. Even though LeBron's not All right, so <laughs> that sure? was the first super team. <laughs> nah, the first super team is KG and Paul Pierce. Nah, I'm taking the Michael Jordan. I'm going shooting guard for my first overall pick. It is going to be the golden retriever at shooting guard. Haven't you guys ever seen Air Bud in your lives? Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Eh, I would I wouldn't take him at shooting what? guard. Not that they're not that athletic. They're not that smart. They're just really friendly. They are smart, <laughs> and he what's is he gonna, athletic. What's he going to do? Lick my teammate to death? <laughs> oh, you could say that with any dog. I don't okay. know. Australian Shepherds and Border Collies are out there with a full-time yeah, job. Heels out there. <laughs> Name one other dog you've ever seen play basketball other than Air Bud. Uh, any dog at any halftime show in the Boom NBA. roasted. I'll give you that one. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen plenty of dogs play frisbee. And you know, Air Bud's a fictional dog. <laughs> 
How did I know Corbin was going to go with an Air Bud? <laughs> I thought for sure it would have gotten picked. You guys just well, let these fall right to me. It just falls right in my lap. No, dude, you, it's it's tournament season. You got to build the team around good guards. And I would say the Golden Retriever is probably more like a small forward anyway. No, I disagree because you can have, first of all, that's part of my strategy. You got to think about size. And then you also helped me out with one of your statements. He's friendly. So he's going to have great chemistry with all of his teammates. He's always going to get along with them. Well, and the border collies, they can be a little feisty. They don't always get along very well with humans and other dogs. So golden retriever, I've never seen a mean one. They're just going to be a good teammate and a sharpshooter and they can dunk. Check out here, bud. Corbin's just going for the golden vote for about 90% of America. His team was dust. No, well, actually, I don't know if you saw this, but the French Bulldog has actually taken over for the number one dog breed in the U.S. So if I really wanted to pander, that would have been the pick. I French Bulldogs are gross. You don't like any dog, so. <laughs> That's not true. Sorry, don't mean to soil the vote or anything, but yeah. For my next pick, I'm going to go with a power forward, I think. Let me just double check here. Yeah, I'm going to take the German Shepherd at power forward. Just a nice stout beast, strong, yet still athletic, has the ability to be like a little bit of a stretch for, you know, maybe kind of like along the lines of like, uh, like a Kawhi Leonard is the way I see it. Would you take German Shepherd? Yeah, German Shepherd, just like a little small forward, power forward hybrid. But yeah, I got Golden Retriever and German Shepherd, my top two uh, picks. All right, that's back to me. Plus, think about all the good German power forwards. It's like Dirk. Yep, that's Dirk right there. I didn't even think about that. I got to give you that one. The German Shepherd was a good pick. It's it's <laughs> it's once we get these uh, big names off the board that uh, it's going to get a little wild. Intelligence, length, strength. He's got it all. Um, yeah. For for me, uh, I'm going. We're going to go a little majestic here, looking like a nice sleek team at small forward. We're going to go with the Siberian Husky. Ugh. And what position did you say? Small forward. I like that. He was right up there for me as well. Again, though, Huskies, not necessarily the best temperament. They could be quite mean to teammates and other dogs. It just sounds like I got one mean team going on, and we're just going to be all bark and bite. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's it's to me then, huh? Yep. All right. I've got my, my point guard. I am going to go, I think I've, I've shored up one end of the lineup, and I'm going to go to the other end. Now, I'm going to go center, and I'm going to go with the biggest dog, but also a working dog, the Irish Wolfhound. Damn, dude, that was my sneaky pick. I didn't yeah. think anybody was going to pick it, and so I was going to go last. That's Yeah, a good those pick. dogs are badass. Oh, yeah, that thing is a fucking beast. Harry yep. too, so you wouldn't want to bump up against it in the paint. Yeah, he's probably super <laughs> sweaty and shit. Yeah, it's like Andre Drummond with all of his back hair. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, dude, look it up. He's got some bad like back and shoulder hair. It's crazy. I would see him shoot free throws, and he just has a carpet on his shoulders. That's what you're getting. Not a lot of good Irish players, though. Not that I can think of. I guess you could get like a Celtic. I I can't think of any off yeah. the top of my head. Um. Well, you know, I would have gone probably small forward here, but you guys really took my top two options of small forward with the Husky and the German Shepherd. Both good picks there. So I think I am going to go shooting guard. And I'm going to, I mean, 
so far, I'm the corgi. (laughs) High athleticism, a lot of speed. So this this dog here, this dog is just beating their man, getting to their spot. I'm going with the Greyhound. Damn it, that was a good pick. He just looks quick. He was on my shooting guard list. To me, man, my shooting guard and point guard list were the shortest, and that's why I. Grant went to Australian Shepherd first. Um, but there is a guy that I need just because, once again, we're going for a little bit of beauty. We're going with the Bernie's Mountain Dog at Power Forward. Ooh, I had them on my list. Nope. Never made it. They're so unathletic and out of shape. They have to lay down. You got basically like, who was that guy? The You basically got like Nick Fairley on your team. Nope. Just has to come out like after every couple of plays. You just know one Burmese mountain dog and it's Brad. So that's probably why you think that. My mom has one too. He's a bull. All right. Well, we'll give you the Burmese mountain dog back to me, I guess. Let's see. What can I take here? How athletic are Burmese mountain dogs? Caption Burmese mountain dogs do well in dog sports. Boom. Take it from AKC.org. Sports. Okay. I don't know what that stands for, but. Uh, I had the Burmese on my center list. Okay. Yeah, I'm going for something a little longer at center. So here's what I'm going to go with. I think, yep, I got to go with it. I'm going to take a dog that will give you a little bit of a Rashid Wallace vibe at small (laughs) forward, but just a little bit more slim. I'm going to go with a Doberman. Ooh. Very, very loyal to those that it knows, but fierce as hell to any opponent. So the Doberman's gonna give me a little bit of a, a little bit of juice here. He'll snap back at you real quick, but Man. you don't want to fuck with a Doberman. A German Shepherd Doberman co- powerhouse on the wing with a golden retriever to clean up and get all the style points. I mean, he's gonna do a lot of the dirty work. He's gonna be a defensive presence. You're not gonna fuck with any Dobermans. Oh, it's back to me. Shit. Okay. Well. I think I've got to go with my center here. And I really wanted that Irish Wolfhound pick, but you know what? I'm just going to go with straight length and I'm going to go with the Anthony Davis type right here is what I'm kind of thinking. I'm going to go with Dane. a great Dane. Oh yeah. Yep. We all just, knew it was coming. Yep. Just a big lengthy beast. I mean, you could stand one of those things up and they legitimately could play in the NBA if they were a little bit better at you know, running <laughs> bipedal. Yeah, a great Dane in the center with my Doberman and German Shepherd. That is just a defensive unit right there. That is like the 04 Pistons. That's it's all coming together now. I just need my Chauncey yeah. at point guard. See, I had Great Dane on my center, but the Irish Wolfhound has the length, but also just kicks the Great Dane's ass in athleticism. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's not all about athleticism and strength. It's finesse too, and the Greyhound has quite a bit of it. Oh yes, the Greyhound. I agree. Oh, the Great Dane. (laughs) Yes, the Great Dane is quite athletic, tall, lanky, just a presence in the paint. The Great Back to Me. Yes, it is. (laughs) All right, this is back to me. Um, We're going a little bigger at shooting guard than I would have wanted, but um, we're going with the German short haired pointer at shooting guard. He's a little bit taller of a shooting guard, but you know what? He's got that length to reach over your little shooting guards and drain the three from deep. Yeah, not as good of a shooter as a golden retriever, but not bad. Oh, yeah, that's got a nose for the ball. Are you Googling the dogs as I say them? Because I have to do that every time. (laughs) No, I think I have a friend who has one, actually, so I know what they look like. 
They're like the brown and white spotted ones, right? They got like a brown head and then kind of white and brown. Yeah. Camouflage. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. All right. Not bad, Belly. Back to you, John. Let's round it out. Okay. So just to clarify where I'm at, I have the Border Collie at point guard, Greyhound at shooting guard, Irish Wolfhound at center. So I need a small forward, a power forward, and a coach. Okay. I am going to go at small forward. You know, we're playing a little bit of small ball on my team, but that's kind of the way the NBA has been trending. Look at the the Warriors over the last 10 years. Maybe the greatest team of all time. So my small forward, you know, much like my point guard, much like on the Warriors, my small forward really can distribute, really can direct traffic. I'm going with the blue healer. I don't know what that is. Blue. Oh, they are. Uh, they're. They're basically another. They're like a cattle dog. dog, right? Yeah. They're so shepherds like collies, Australian shepherds. They herd sheep. Blue healer. Blue healers herd cattle. So they're even more badass because those cattle are huge. What position did you say? Small forward. Okay. That's a tiny small forward. <laughs> Yep. He is. I've got, I'm running some small ball, but my point guard's got a little bit of size. And then for power forward, because I've got so many smaller players, so much athleticism going on, I'm just going to go with a bruiser, you know, someone who can get in the paint, someone who's going to play defense, mix it up, really just uh, be a steady presence for us. I'm going with the boxer. Ooh. I like that. I had the boxer on there. A nice underrated pick there, but would definitely get its ass whooped by a German Shepherd or a Doberman. Well, German a... Shepherd and Doberman were my other two power forward picks. Well, guess you got to go with your last pick. <laughs> well, I have two picks left, but I'm going to save the coach for last because I think it's only right. Um, taking a page out of John's book, I'm not taking the Irish Wolfhound, but I will be taking the Scottish Deerhound at center. I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> basically. A very similar dog, but <laughs> to make that dog up is that real? No. Oh wow, they look. Oh, it really is almost the exact same dog. It's basically like we got two. I got a Poopo brothers in there. <laughs> Damn, I would have loved. I should have gone one of those a power forward, one of those a center. That'd be sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got my Zondras Ilgowskis in there. <laughs> so John basically got Brooke Lopez, and then Ben gets Robin Lopez right there. Right. I think Robin played longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brooke is still playing, dude. Shit. <laughs> and he's good. He's opened up that three game lately, too. All right, back to me then. All right, All right. coach. I don't know where to go with the coach, to be honest. What do you have left for position, Corb? Point guard and coach. <laughs> Corb, I feel like I know who you're going to pick for your coach. <laughs> Why? Uh, I'll tell you after you pick. I I have one going through my head, but I don't think that I can do it. I'm going to go with my coach, the old English sheepdog. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around an old English sheepdog before, but similar to your thinking, John, they are herders. They enforce discipline <laughs> and they rally the troops together. So my mom has an old English sheepdog. And whenever any of the dogs start to fight, she is quickly there to break it up. She is the leader. She will keep everybody in order and on the straight and narrow. 
if you have a sheepdog as your coach barking orders at you, you better fucking listen. <laughs> Bringing discipline to some, you know, some dogs that are very, have a very big personalities like the German Shepherd and the Doberman. An old English sheepdog is going to keep them in check and it's going to keep the, the feng shui of the team altogether. So I'm going to go with the old English sheepdog for my coach. And then for point guard, I saved it for last. Definitely something that I wasn't planning on, but I think I have a sneaky point guard, and that is the Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, that was after, on my list. That's a good one. It is a very. It's definitely a smaller dog, but think about like a Muggsy Bogues, perhaps. Just another defensive presence. Still has elite athleticism and agility, right up there with the Border Collie. Very, very smart. Like if you look at the like hurdles and shit that they do in the dog shows and stuff, Jack Russell Terriers are right up there. It's a very intelligent dog and it's going to be the distributor for my team. It brings a little bit more finesse as opposed to the rough and rugged style that I have from the the wings and centers. So I like the Jack Russell Terrier with the last pick of my draft to round out a beast squad. Uh, I'm kind of still doing research on the fly for my coach and I have a bunch of options that I want to pick, but um, we're going to go with the chow chow for the coach uh, looking into uh, I Googled is chow chows aggressive and they ranked number four on the most aggressive dog breeds. They look just like a little condensed Bruce Pearl, just barking orders out there. He's going to be angry. He's going to get the boys fired up. And we already got a pretty tenacious team as is. He's going to bring him together in those timeout scenarios. And we're going to sink buckets. Yep. I could see a chow chow is a nice, like former player, but the game has evolved. Yeah. Since they were in the league, and, and so now they're short. just taking over a coach. <laughs> yep, but they just have a plethora of knowledge. Oh yeah, give me the chow chow. You know, it's funny you say that, Corbin, because that's almost exactly what I was thinking for my coach pick. Oh yeah, well, what's that? Oh, I also kind of feel like we're all really stupid for not taking this dog. So mine's maybe more of a player coach. You know, if one of my guys goes down, he can step in pretty much any position. He's mean. He's got a lot of experience. He's battle tested. He's the American pit bull. Ooh, yeah, damn. I thought, I thought you were going to say that. Rottweiler. I yeah, can't I wanted him for my picked pit bull. You're going to lose a lot of votes on the American community there, John. <laughs> no, no. Everybody loves a pit bull. They're misunderstood. That's you know, the point. Back, These teams the misunderstood. Day, back in yeah, the day, they could get away with some things that you can't get away with. And nowadays, so now he's moved on to coaching. I get that. I, <laughs> I would have had him. If, if German Shepherd wasn't there, he was going to be my point guard and or my know, power forward, rather. You know that he will in practice, he's still going to fuck up a player if they get out of line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, You're yeah, not fucking with let's go one on one. Me and you. your coach is going to be suspended for at least half the season. <laughs> yeah. Bobby it, Knight was a great coach, man. He choked one of his players. Yeah, and if you ever have to get into like a little argument or a spat post game with another coach, you're not oh, fucking with that pit bull. Yeah, you aren't fucking with the pit bull. Yeah, that pit bull slap you like Jawan Howard. Chow Chow will probably lose, but he'll be barking the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. So let's go over these picks here. So we've got John at point guard, the border collie, shooting guard, a greyhound, small forward, a blue healer. At power forward, he has a boxer and filling out at the center position, the Irish Wolfhound, coached by a pit bull. And then we got big old Ben Belly Smokes at point guard. He's rolling out with the Australian Shepherd. 
and shooting guard. He's got the German short-haired pointer, small forward, a Siberian Husky, at power forward, a Bernese Mountain Dog, at center, the Scottish Deerhound, and coaching them all, the Chow Chow. So a very mixed international team, Australia, Germany, <laughs> Siberia, Bern- <laughs> Bernia, and Scotland. All coached by a Chow Chow, which I'm pretty sure is Chinese. So you're very well rounded there, Belly. Let's see how we're, those nationalities mix. We're a damn melting pot. Yep. And for me, at point guard, I'm rolling out with a Jack Russell Terrier. At shooting guard, the all-American golden retriever. At small forward, the Doberman. Power forward, the German shepherd, a.k.a. Dirk Nowitzki. At center, the Great Dane. And it is all coached by the old English sheepdog. So we will be posting this up on the Instagram poll tomorrow. Please remember to vote. I'm really interested to see how this one pans out. I'm excited for it. This was a fun one. I mean, the breeds across the board, I feel like popular breeds. Golden Retriever obviously won the Husky. I mean, the votes could go anyway. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for this episode. And we are going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus. We will be back next month. The next episode is going to be coming out April 22nd, just in time for the draft. And we will be doing our final mock draft of the season. Not a lot of Lions news should be popping up, but we'll be sure to post it up on our Twitter and Instagram accounts. So make sure you follow along. And if you're not already, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any and other platform you might listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter at LikeKorbayashi and at Belly and the Fish on Instagram and Twitter. DM us some ideas for any segments that you think would be cool or you'd like to hear. And please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think about. We really appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, happy to bring you yet another episode. Um, We'd like to get some more content uh, on the gram and everything and above, but we need some uh, feedback from the people. So feel free to shoot us a message at Belly and the Fish for uh, the Instagram handle. And yeah, we just want to find out what you guys want to listen to, what you don't like, what you do like. So yeah, give us some pointers and uh, can't wait for you to listen to the next episode. Make sure you like and subscribe and on to our favorite guest, John. Just happy to be here, guys. Just happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on, John. Yeah. And with that said, (laughs) 